The Sacramento Kings nearly steal a win in New Orleans, but their fourth quarter surge comes up short. 117-112, to 112, the final score. For the second time this season, the Kings are swept in a two-game miniseries. And I'll point out one of the biggest issues that Sacramento still has to address, something that's still holding this Kings team back, a glaring weakness that other teams are going to continue to exploit. We'll talk about it right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And one thing I want to say right away before we dive into this Kings loss to the Pelicans tonight, the Western Conference is just stacked. And I'm not just talking about like stacked with talent at the very top in terms of championship contenders, because there are those elites, right? Mainly looking at, at teams like the Denver Nuggets, maybe the Phoenix Suns, if they can stay healthy. Uh, there are those teams certainly out there that the Kings would like to work their way into the mix. But the Western Conference is loaded with talent on every single team. The teams that we thought were going to be bad, like the Houston Rockets, are a lot better than we expected. Sure, the San Antonio Spurs are still down there, but they have a, a centerpiece in Vic, uh, Victor Wimbanyama uh, to build around. Plus, of course, they're still coached by Greg Popovich, so that team cannot be taken lightly. Even the Portland Trailblazers, to some extent. I know they're young and they're dealing with injuries in their own right, but they're dealing or they have plenty of talent there that can give any team on any given night a, a tough battle. You have the New Orleans Pelicans who, if they can stay healthy, remember when they were healthy last season, the Pelicans were off to a tremendously hot start and one of the best teams in the NBA before the injury bug bit them. Top to bottom, and you could also add the Oklahoma City Thunder into it, the entire freaking Pacific division that the Sacramento Kings are in, man. There's just so much talent in the Western Conference, and that's not an excuse for the Sacramento Kings, but because if you want to be the best, right, you have to be able to beat the best. And more talent, more parity around the league is absolutely a good thing. The Kings are going to be tested every single night with every single opponent, as it should be in the NBA, but especially in these Western Conference matchups. So full credit to the New Orleans Pelicans for winning this two-game miniseries. They presented a lot of issues for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they did a tremendous job throughout the course of this game. Uh, every time the Kings would make a, a push to try and get back into the game, especially into the second half, the Pelicans would always have an answer. It would, it would cut it off or, or get the lead that the Kings got down to like nine points in the second quarter, get it right back up to 13, headed to the fourth quarter. Like the Pelicans did an excellent job of game planning uh, and, and matching up with Sacramento. That's the reason why they won this two game miniseries until the fourth quarter. Right, Sacramento finally made their push in the fourth quarter, and it was great to see the Kings not fold, the Kings not give up. They kind of folded in game one against the Pelicans of this two-game miniseries. That was also the second night of a back-to-back, -back, third game in four nights. So it's a little more understandable for them to have maybe a little more fight in tonight's game than they did in that game. It was nice to see Sacramento not get beat down by the same opponent in the second game of a two-game miniseries the same way we saw 
uh, in Houston earlier on in the season because there were opportunities where the Kings could have had the wind completely taken out of their sails. Like I said, New Orleans just did a fantastic job. If Kings would make a little bit of a push, they'd hit a big shot. New Orleans comes down on the other end, hits a big three or three-point play or gets a stop and gets out in transition and scores. Like New Orleans just did a really, really good job of containing Sacramento and making life difficult for certain players, which we will uh, get into here. But finally, the fourth quarter, Sacramento came out with a little bit of energy and it started with one guy, the return of Trey Lyles. Trey Bays stand up. Trey Lyles uh, is back for Sacramento and he showed what the Kings have been missing so far this season as he's been battling that calf injury. He comes back and uh, tonight has 12 points, four of eight shooting from the field, three of seven from three-point range, and eight, uh, eight rebounds in his return. All three of those three-pointers came in the beginning of the fourth quarter. He went on a 10-0 run by himself, hit three threes, and the final one was an and one for a four-point play. Trey Lyles got the party going, and those three-point shots finally started to open up the paint a little bit for the Sacramento Kings because that paint was on lockdown. Might have might as well have called it like Alcatraz. New Orleans was just not letting anybody in the paint. And if anybody came close, they were getting swarmed by three or four different defenders at any given time. An excellent game plan by New Orleans, forcing Sacramento to take a lot of threes. Now we know the Kings are capable of knocking down a lot of threes, but they were missing Keegan Murray tonight, who's one of those their go-to three-point shooters. We know the Kings have been up and down and up and down with threes at times. And that was a good bet by New Orleans. Like, force them to beat us from the perimeter without one of their top shooters in Keegan Murray. And it worked for New Orleans for basically the entire night. Sacramento finally got some things going at the rim as part of this fourth quarter push. Uh, and again, it started with Trey Lyles. It was great to see. And the Kings bench finally got going. Now, largely because of Trey Lyles. But the first 18 points of the fourth quarter were scored by the bench. On the night, the Kings were outscored by New Orleans' bench 39 to 27. Like with the amount of injuries that the Kings are dealing with to, to important pieces, like Keegan Murray, of course, uh, Chris Duarte, Duarte got the start uh, in Keegan Murray's place. Uh, so you didn't have Duarte coming in off the bench. Keon Ellis, who has been so essential in Sacramento's turnaround during that six game win streak. Keon Ellis is still out with the ankle injury that he's battling. So the Kings are banged up. Again, not an excuse, but they needed more out of their bench tonight. They did. They should have uh, certainly could have gotten more out of some of their starters too. Two out of their five starters didn't reach double figures in Duarte uh, and, and Kevin Herter. But the bench was really struggling until that fourth quarter where they scored the first 18 points to get the Kings back into it. And then the Kings took their first lead since like midway through the second quarter, 105 to 104 with 530 to go in the game. They took the lead off of a Sabonis free throw. The reason why I'm pointing that out specifically is because from this point, the Kings kind of fell apart. It became sloppy. It became maybe a little bit too rushed. The Kings kind of lost their composure a little bit. New Orleans, as of now, I guess New Orleans Pelicans fans, and I'm sure you're going to be in my comment section because you're in my comment section after uh, the first win uh, a couple nights ago, but New Orleans, as of now, can say, hey, we're we're the better team. We beat the Sacramento Kings twice in a row. So the Kings can't necessarily claim they're the better team in that case. So when I'm saying this, I mean it from the perspective of what Sacramento did last year and what their expectations are. If the Kings expect to be the better team in this scenario, if the Kings are the third seed and the Pelicans are, are, are the team that they were last year, 
you're supposed to be the one with better composure in those moments. Even with the injuries that you're dealing with, you still have De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis out there. You have more than enough weapons, plus some veterans like Harrison Barnes. You are supposed to be more composed in that fourth quarter, in the final minutes of this game, than the Kings were. They lost composure. They got sloppy. They were outscored 13-7 to for the remainder of the game in those final five minutes and 30 seconds. They turned the ball over three times and went just two of seven from the field over those final five and a half minutes. De'Aaron Fox entered the game at the 6-10 mark, and the Sacramento Kings were down one at that point. And over those final six minutes and 10 seconds, he scored just two points, went one of three from the field, turned the ball over, uh, and uh, had a couple of fouls. That was not the fourth quarter clutch Fox that the Sacramento Kings needed. Now, De'Aaron had a overall fine night statistically, scored 26 points, 9 of 17 from the field, 2 of 7 from three-point range, 5 assists, 1 steal, turned the ball over a couple of times. Like, it wasn't a bad night for De'Aaron Fox by any means, but this is where, I again, I give a lot of credit to New Orleans because they were making Fox's life really, really difficult. And we'll talk about that in the next segment as I break down still a glaring weakness of the Sacramento Kings team. I do, though, like, even though the Kings lost, they they weren't able to pull out this win. They weren't able to. If they had won this game, they would have stolen a win. No other way to put it. Like, a win's a win no matter what. But Sacramento would have absolutely committed highway robbery to steal this win in New Orleans because the Pelicans were in full control for the vast majority of this game. The first quarter was kind of back and forth. Kings, early second quarter, pretty back and forth. But the Pelicans took full control late in the second quarter. In the third quarter, they they did a really, really good job of just managing the game and, and taking and maintaining control of the game. Like, I thought this was a game the Pelicans absolutely deserved to win, and Sacramento nearly stole it away. So I have no problem admitting that and recognizing that if the Kings had won this game, it, it would have been robbery. But... They are showing, or at least tonight, they showed a trait that I was really hoping Mike Brown would bring to Sacramento from his time with the Golden State Warriors. This is a trait that that isn't just specific to the Warriors, but I've seen it more from the Warriors over their dynasty than I've seen it from any other team. And it's certainly bitten the Kings more than their fair share of time. So I'm talking about, I call it that erase hard work trait. And I've talked about this before. When a team is in control for such a long period of time, and then suddenly their opponent just erases all that hard work in one quarter or in one run. Like this is something the Golden State Warriors have been masters at over the year, right? The, the Kings would build a, 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 a 10, 12, 14 point lead, work hard to build that lead over the course of a half or maybe even three quarters. Then suddenly Steph Curry gets going, hits a few threes. The Warriors get out in transition, get some stops. Clay Thompson, bang, bang, three. All of a sudden the game is tied or the Warriors even take a lead and it takes all the wind out of your sails, right? All that hard work that you've put in, you've been grinding to build this lead, grinding, grinding, grinding. You're in control and then quickly it just disappears. That's what Sacramento did to New Orleans. Tonight, New Orleans in full control did a really good job during that third quarter to answer everything that the Kings were throwing at them. They go to the fourth quarter with a double digit lead, a 10 0 run by Trey Lyles capped off by a four point play. Suddenly the Kings are in striking distance. They take a lead with five and a half minutes to go. It's like, what happened? It's so frustrating. And, and, and some teams that lights a fire under them and they, they, they answer that run with a run of their own and they end up winning the game like the Pelicans did tonight. Again, full credit to them. And some teams see that and it just, especially like bad teams or young teams, 
right? When you're, you're face, you maybe get hyped up to play one of the top teams in the league. You're building a lead. You're feeling good. They come back and you're just like, we threw our best shot and it wasn't enough. Like from a boxing standpoint, like you connected with a haymaker, dropped your opponent and they got up and kept fighting. And there's nothing, you can't throw a better punch than what you just threw. So this is a trait that I would love to see Sacramento develop consistently because if they're going to become a team that is a perennial championship contender, that means they are going to become a team that worst teams get up and get excited to play against. So those teams are going to be trying to come out with energy, trying to take control, maybe building leads. If Sacramento can become that pesky, obnoxious team that is behind for 40 out of 48 minutes and still finds a way to win and doesn't do it just every once in a while to where it seems kind of fluky, but can that's just who they are. That's an element of this Kings team that I think, or that's an element of the Golden State Warriors. That's an element of championship caliber basketball teams that Sacramento can still adapt and, and still um, grow and make that better, make that their own, and make that part of their identity. Unfortunately, part of their identity right now, too, is still being a little bit soft. Physicality is still something that the Sacramento Kings really, really struggle with. It's one of the biggest weaknesses of this Kings team right now, and I'll break down that weakness and how the the New Orleans Pelicans exploited it and how the Sacramento Kings need to do a better job of taking advantage or, or, or countering it in the next segment. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Sackyard Community Tap House, the first ever local sponsor here of the Locked On Kings podcast and a place that I will forever be thankful for because of the amazing Kings watch party that I was able to host. So many of you came out to support the Locked On Kings podcast, to support Sackyard, and to watch the Kings beat the crap out of the Los Angeles Lakers. That was such a fun event. I can't wait to do more. And if you want to check out Sackyard or you're unsure about Sackyard, it is an amazing place for you to go at any time of year to get drinks with your friends, have a good time. They have food trucks come through, live music all the time with amazing local bands. They also have wonderful wines from local vineyards for you to try. Uh, they highly encourage you to bring family members, your kids, and that includes your your furry friends, your, your pets and animals and dogs as well. Uh, they have a wonderful outdoor patio that's good all year long. Maybe not the best for the rain necessarily, but they have fire pits out there during the cold and during the hot summer months. Misters out there to keep you nice and cool, uh, plus their beers on tap will help with that as well. Thank you again, Sackyard, for helping me put on an amazing event. I have more great watch parties and a live podcast at Sackyard coming, so keep an eye and an ear out for that because Sackyard is your home for the Locked on Kings listener. The Kings still have a lot of weaknesses and a lot of issues that they need to correct. And they're working on correcting and, and improving and getting better in, in a lot of ways. Issues on the defensive end of the floor, uh, issues sometimes being too reliant on three-point shots. Like there's there's different aspects of this team and different traits of this team or, or areas where this team still struggles. But a lot of them can be connected to one word or one trait that Sacramento just really continues to struggle with, and that's physicality. 
when teams are physical with the Kings, when they try and lock down the paint, when they bump Kings attackers, when on the offensive side of the ball, they're 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 not necessarily lowering their shoulder in an illegal way because that's not what you're supposed to do. But when, when play, I mean, facing a guy like Zion Williamson too, who's built like a freaking NFL linebacker, like it's it's hard to match the physicality of a player like that. But the 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 Pelicans as a whole, they ramp up their physicality and they came in with a game plan tonight, which was we're locking down the paint. They're one of the best teams in the league when it comes to deflection. So they're a very active team on defense with their hands. But they were if the Kings enter the three-point line and certainly come close to the paint, if they try to attack the rim, which we know they want to do, they want to play inside out, they want to get paint touches. If the Kings come in, we are going to make sure they feel us and that those passing that, that, that they're swarmed almost. New Orleans did a fantastic job. The Pelicans didn't just outscore the Kings in the paint tonight. They kicked the Kings' ass in the paint. 62-28 to 28 was the point, uh, points in the paint advantage. That's a blowout in the paint. The Kings had no answer inside, and, and, and a lot of those 28 points in the paint came in the fourth quarter when Sacramento finally got a little bit of breathing room and finally got a little bit of life. But New Orleans dominated in the paint. They dominated in the paint in both of these games. Like I think they had over 60 or something like that paint uh, points in the paint in the, the the first win a couple nights ago as well. So when the when the Pelicans are are locking down the paint like that, they're daring you to shoot threes, right? And and when you have a team that's packing uh, the paint, packing the lanes so much like that, the way to kind of get them to loosen up is to to hit three pointers to get them to step out a little bit more. And 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 Sacramento just did not do a good job of that. It was a gamble by the Pelicans, and it was the right gamble. The Kings, fifteen of forty four from three point range, just thirty four percent. It was the right move. By New Orleans. And still, still the Kings struggled that mightily in the paint. Shot that poorly from three-point range as a team. And they still had a chance to win this game. So you can look that look at that glass half full, glass half empty, however you want to look at it. I'm not going to choose either side here. I'm just pointing out the numbers for what they are and, and, and pointing out what the eye test clearly shows, which is Sacramento struggles with physical players. Sacramento struggles with physical play. Sacramento really tightens up. And does not look like themselves and, and and struggles to get into their offensive flow when defenses pick up that physicality, bump them, and don't give them the freedom within the three-point line like New Orleans did tonight. On top of that, the, the Pelicans did an excellent job on the glass. They had 15 second chance points to Sacramento's four. The Kings had just four total offensive rebounds. So they packed the paint. They don't let the Kings attack the rim. They force the Kings to shoot a lot of threes, and they're making sure to secure the defensive rebounds off of those missed threes and, and finish the defensive possession off with the rebound. Just really, really solid defensive execution by New Orleans. So how do the Kings beat this? They need better penetration. And that can't just come from one guy. Like we look at De'Aaron Fox and go, all right, Fox, get to the rim. And that kind of was the Kings game plan for much of this game. Okay, Fox, like we can't get anywhere inside the three-point line. Work your magic. Get in there. And New Orleans was ready for it. New Orleans was double teaming De'Aaron Fox anytime he got the ball in his hands remotely close to the three-point line. But if Fox put the ball on the floor and attacked, three, four defenders meeting him and doing a good job, not just to cut him off, 
but to do so without fouling and to also make sure that their hands were up and the passing lanes were were, were, were taken away so that De'Aaron was forced to leave his feet and kind of flail and find an open an open man. Like, just a really, really solid job. And not every team can do to Sacramento what New Orleans did. Not every team is capable of playing that level of defense. That's a trait of the New Orleans Pelicans that, that, that we can't really take away from them. But still, it goes to show that Sacramento needs to find a way to beat this kind of defense and beat this kind of physicality that they're going to face because other teams are paying attention. And certainly when they get into a playoff series, a best of seven series against whoever, the physicality is going to be picked up. The physicality is going to be ramped up. And we saw against the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs too, if the three-point shots aren't falling, teams are going to feel fine gambling, allowing the Sacramento Kings to shoot 44 three-point shots and betting that in the long run, their decision to kind of pack the paint and control the paint, that's going to pay off for them. The Kings need better penetration. That doesn't just come from De'Aaron Fox attacking the basket. A lot of that comes from cutters. Like the Kings needed better cutting, backdoor cutting. Another trade of the Pelicans do a really good job of taking away those lanes, but the Kings need to get backdoor. A lot of more give and goes. And then I'm looking at DeMontis Sabonis too. Like Sabonis, I've been singing his praises recently because nobody else will outside of Sacramento because apparently it doesn't matter unless it's in the playoffs. Only with Sabonis, I guess. But I know Sabonis is not the tallest of NBA centers, but he's big. He's physical. Now he's going against Jonas Valanciunas, who's just a brick. And they're 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 former teammates, or they are teammates on the, the Lithuanian national team. Like they know each other very, very well. So that's a good matchup for either guy. But I that's where I need against most teams, if they're gonna pack the paint, that's where I need Demonta Sabonis to really get into that kind of ox physical Hulk takeover mode, right? I'm still getting to the rim. I'm getting to the foul line. I'm crashing the glass. My, you, If you want to play physical, okay, let's play physical. Now, to be fair, at the end of at the I mean, Sabonis already gets hit in the face every single time he plays, usually multiple times a game. At the end of the game, Brandon Ingram caught him with an elbow, which maybe should have been an offensive foul, whatever. Like, And Sabonis was bleeding from his lip and had to like leave the game. So I'm not accusing Sabonis of not being physical enough and not playing physical, but... If you're going to have someone or a team pack the paint as heavily as New Orleans is doing, you almost need Sabonis to be that drill or that chisel or that raw, or that pickaxe to just break them all apart. Like get in the middle down there, get them off you, draw their attention a little bit more, and and, and don't just rely on the three point shot to open things up for you. It's really like it's hard to blame Fox for the lack of penetration tonight. It really is. He, of course, could have been better. He especially could have been better in the fourth quarter, like we talked about. But with how the Pelicans were playing in the paint and how they were aggressively double and sometimes triple teaming De'Aaron as soon as he put the ball on the floor, they gambled. They went all in. If 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 Keegan Murray is playing and the Kings are shooting 38% from three-point range instead of 34%, I don't know if the Pelicans can get away with that as well as they did tonight. That's where the Sacramento shooting really needs to sign to shine through. But the Pelicans are watching the Kings and have the tape and are looking at the numbers the same way we are. Maybe not as religiously as we are and as as as, as focused as we are on, on Kings basketball specifically, but we've seen the ups and downs that the Kings have gone on from the three-point line this season, not just this season, really all last season as well and in the playoffs. So if teams are going to 
feel confident to gamble and give you that room on the perimeter, you need to make them pay for it. And Sacramento didn't tonight. So the Kings fall to eight and six on the season. What's weird is six of their losses have come against just three teams, two to the Warriors, two to the Rockets, and now two to the Pelicans. Those mini series just not going the Kings way, which I don't know. I don't think there's a need to overreact to that. I see some people going like you're struggling in back-to-back games against the same opponent. When you get to the playoffs, you're going to play four straight games minimum against the same opponent. Like the Kings need to figure that out. I guess I get that logic to some extent. I'm not there yet necessarily, but these are two back-to-back mini series the Kings have played, both of them on the road, both of them against Western Conference opponents that the Kings should be better than, or at least we think the Kings should be better than based off of last season and based off of where they want to go. And they're 0-4 in those games. So that's that's the situation right now. We do have to give a little bit of love to Harrison Barnes. And here we are again. Every time we're giving love to Harrison Barnes, it's always in the last uh, last segment of the show. But HB was good tonight. 22 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 4 of 9 from three-point range, three rebounds, played 40 and a half minutes. He stepped up big. Harrison's reliability. I just did a full podcast with Chris Biederman talking about how important Harrison is from his reliability standpoint, the fact that he does not get hurt. He keeps playing. And while the Kings are dealing with injuries, Harrison becomes all the more valuable in that sense. He hit some big shots. I think without Harrison Barnes, this game might've gotten ugly and out of hand in the third quarter. Cause the King came out of the gate aggressive in the third quarter, mainly behind the physicality of Harrison. The Kings were trying to get to the paint. were trying to attack the rim and they were using Harrison Barnes to try and up that physicality and get into the lane. I think Harrison was a major reason why the 17 point hole of the Kings were in that they battled back from didn't get to the twenties and didn't get to a point where maybe Mike Brown waves the white flag and says on to the next one on to Minnesota. I want to just say congrats or say good game to Harrison and and praise him without a, but, but we do have to talk about a moment with 37 seconds left in this game. The Kings were down 113 to 110. They're looking for two. Uh, uh, they don't have to get a three necessarily. But of course, the three-point looks are the best looks that they've been getting all night with how the, the Pelicans have been playing defensively in the in the paint. And Harrison gets a look at a corner three and passed it up. He passed it up, went to De'Aaron Fox. Fox took a contested three, missed it. We know what happened. Harrison needs to shoot that shot. I know there are other guys that you'd probably rather have taking that shot. Other guys that you'd rather have the ball in their hands. But of course, defenses know that too. And so defenses are going to make sure that the ball is not in their hands or make it as difficult as possible for the Kings to get the ball in their hands. Mike Brown has full faith in Harrison, even if some of Sacramento Kings fans don't. That corner three Harrison has been hitting over the last couple of games. He needs to take that shot. I'm disappointed that he didn't. Who knows if he would have made it or not. Of course, if he takes that shot and misses it, people are just ripping him to shreds anyway. But I want Harrison taking that shot. So coming up next for the Kings, they have the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was a team that Sacramento really struggled to match up against last season. And this is a big game. If you care about the NBA in-season tournament, this is essentially the game to decide who the winner is going to be for Group C in the West. Now, 
technically, both the Kings and T-Wolves have a chance to be the number one seed in the West in the NBA in-season tournament. That spot more than likely going to the Los Angeles Lakers right now. The Lakers have already clinched their division. They're coming out of it. Uh, I should say their group. They're coming out of it. There is a apparently 81-point differential between the Lakers and the, 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 the Kings and T-Wolves. So the, the Kings have a big gap to make up. They would have to beat the, the, the Timberwolves to secure the, uh, the, the, the group and probably beat them pretty good and then have to beat the Warriors and significantly outscore the Warriors if they really want a chance of catching the Lakers. I think the Lakers are clear. I think the Lakers are absolutely going to become uh, the, the number one seed in the in-season tournament. Maybe the Kings don't worry about that. Just worry about beating the T-Wolves, worry about winning the group, but even more than that, worry about stopping this losing streak at two games, correcting a matchup struggle from last season, and end this road trip on a high note. That's what I'm looking for the Kings uh, from, from them on Friday. But the good news is in between then and now is, is uh, Thanksgiving. And I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I hope uh, you you have uh, just time with your family and friends, that you stay safe if you're traveling, wherever you may be. Hope the turkey tastes great or whatever you're eating. Save some sides for me. I'm a mashed potatoes and gravy guy with a little bit of cranberry sauce as well. So I am going to be digging into that. Obviously, won't have a Lockdown Kings podcast tomorrow. Some of you might be listening to this podcast on Thanksgiving morning, in which case, do what I do. This is not sound health advice. And if any of you are nutritionists out there, you're probably going to never listen to this podcast again. I always like almost fast a little bit on Thanksgiving. Does anybody else do that? I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I'll have a really light breakfast just to make sure I'm not like dying. And then nothing until Turkey time. That's what I'm doing. I cannot wait. And then my family is taking me black Friday shopping and there goes all my money. But I appreciate your support. Uh, as always, uh, you're on the Lockdown Kings podcast. You're amazing. I'm very thankful for you. Here's where I get corny. Um, your support of this podcast has been amazing. It's been another uh, amazing year here on Lockdown Kings, and I'm looking forward to keeping it rolling into 2024. A little bit of time between now and then, plus the Christmas holiday, so we'll get sappy more in the future. But as we sit around a dinner table and, and give thanks and, and, and recognize all the things and blessings in life, the Locked on Kings podcast and you Locked on Kings listeners, the loyal Sacramento Kings fan base is certainly one of the biggest blessings in mine. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful holiday. I will talk to you very, very soon. Catch you on the next podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.